Beyond Curses and the Veil of Shadows, with special guest Gemma Jade. Episode 43 of the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Welcome to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Coming to you from the glacial dumping grounds known as the Michigan Basin. I'm Michelle. And I am Wayne. And we are a Michigan-based husband and wife educator and podcasting duo that after having a UFO sighting in March of 2018, have started to examine UFOs and other paranormal topics within Michigan and beyond. Topics include UFOs, the paranormal, conspiracy theories, ghosts, alternative history and archaeology, cryptids, and all things strange and paranormal. So sit back, grab a drink, and come along with us on this journey down the paranormal rabbit hole. Hello, everyone. Hey, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. Three o'clock in the morning. (laughs) It is November 26, 2022, and we hope you are doing well. And this is episode 43 with special guest, author, psychic, medium, intuitive, the amazing Gemma Jade. So welcome to the only podcast that takes you down the rabbit hole on an escalator very, <laughs> very slowly. We we have to go kind of slow or we just miss everything. So we do have a great show planned for you today. With that being said, let's go. We started a new live show called After the Cast Live. Our next live show will be on our YouTube page, Facebook group page, and on our Twitter feed. Next Saturday night, December 3rd at 8 p.m. Eastern. Those are so much fun. Yeah, they are. We're actually going to have a guest joining us for the upcoming episode, and that will be Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, Worse, It's Us, and creator of the documentary Terracor. Together, we are going to be taking a deep dive into the new Netflix docuseries Ancient Apocalypse that features ideas put forth by the famous or infamous in some circles, Uh Graham Hancock. So be sure to come join us for this one. Yeah, that's going to be a great episode for the live. I can't wait. Talk to Jared again. Uh, It's going to be just a fantastic show. So come on out and join us. You just never know who will be there. And you can participate live in the discussion by typing into the chat. So come on out. Let's have a good time. Speaking of good times and good stories, if you have a story you would like to tell, we would like to talk to you. You can reach out to us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. Send us a brief summary of your experience and we'll contact you to discuss things further and try to get you or your story on the podcast. And we got to do a quick shout out to our patrons. We now have three. So we have Hava H, Ed S, and Ghost Dragon ZW from our live show last week. We can't thank you enough for your continued support. So if you would also like to help support the podcast, look in our show description for our link tree and click on that. From there, you can decide how you would like to donate to the podcast, either via PayPal, tipping us with a cup of coffee, signing up for Patreon, 
or buying some merch from our merch store. All the links are provided on the link tree. And if you don't want to do any of those, the best thing you can do is help spread the podcast and help get us out there and share us with some friends and family who may find our show interesting. Speaking of giving a shout out, let's yeah. go grab some dinner from our favorite local diner. New Boston Coney and Grill. Of course. Let's go. Traveling near New Boston, Michigan? Hungry? Well then, you need to check out New Boston Coney and Grill tucked away at 37005 Huron River Drive. With daily specials, homemade soups and desserts, and a staff that makes you feel like family, you will not be disappointed. Give them a try for dine-in or carry-out at 734-606-5313. You can find their page, including their menu, on Facebook. Bon Appetit! Well, after that delicious meal from New Boston Coney and Grill, I think it's that time. It's time for What's in the News. Yes, baby. What is in the news? UFOs are no laughing matter for us. Behind the scenes of France's real-life OVNI hunters. Written on November 17th of this year by Vincent Costas. In France, the study and information group on identified aerospace phenomenon, uh, GIPON, has been investigating unidentified aerial phenomena, more commonly known as UFOs, for the past 45 years. Attached to the National Center for Space Studies, GIPON has been invited by NASA to present its activities and working methods before a newly established independent team that will study data and set up methods to analyze unusual phenomena observed in the sky. Well, it's nice to know that we're not alone in all this. Well, I think they're a little bit more advanced than what we've been doing over here. Well, at least that we know of. The French have known about this for a while, but... I really like the way you're saying Japan. <laughs> Set up in 1977, Japan is a team of four experts tasked with gathering witness accounts, conducting surveys, publishing studies, managing computer systems, and overseeing the organization's operations. A technical department as CNES, it relies on outside personnel, expertise, and talent, liaisoning with numerous investigators, experts, and institutions, including France's Air Force, their National Gendarmerie, and Police Force, the Directorate General for Civil Aviation, the National Center for Scientific Research, the CNRS, and the Weather Service, Media France. The existence of a UFO force in France has entered the country's popular imagination in recent years. With the Canal Plus comedy drama series OVNIs, which is the French term for UFOs, in its quest for realism, the series depicts equipment used for Japon investigations, including the Sim OVNI, which we use to create simulations of the phenomena described in eyewitness accounts. I bet you wish you took French right now instead of German in high school for three years. <laughs> I know. 
All right. So what? Japan. Japan. <laughs> Japan. What exactly is a UAP? Unidentified aerial phenomena, of course, are usual events observed by eyewitnesses that are seemingly inexplicable. They must often take the form of a bright light. Japan. <sighs> Simple explanations can be found for over 60% of UAPs. They are usually paper lanterns, party balloons, hot air balloons, aircraft, satellites, meteorites, stars, planets, and so forth. While these occurrences may seem straightforward or banal, it is banal. Japon. It is important <laughs> to remember that every one of these recorded sightings presents some strange, unique, or noteworthy aspect. Japon gathers 700 eyewitness reports annually, with 150 to 200 remaining as open investigations. Anyone is able to submit a report using the form on the Japon website. An event's apparent peculiarity may be dependent on the environment and conditions of the sighting. These might involve low light conditions and absence of sound, atmospheric turbulence causing a star to twinkle strangely, or sunlight reflecting off a distant plane. There are also more spectacular sightings, such as the appearance of meteorites breaking up in the atmosphere. One such atypical event was when the Starlink satellite cluster entered into orbit, giving rise to multiple reports of bright spots moving in a row and others of a glowing orb. The series of spots were the 50 to 60 satellites themselves going into orbit, sighting at sunset or sunrise when the sky was darker and the sun was reflecting off the satellites. The orb corresponded to the second stage of the Falcon 9 rocket, which launched the satellites into orbit. Propulsions from the spacecraft every one to two seconds created a bubble of gas, which then appeared as a luminous sphere in the night sky under the light of the setting or rising sun. Alongside this sphere, a shining spot, sometimes shaped like a butterfly, caused the removal of the remaining oxygen and kerosene from the rocket's second stage before it re-entered the atmosphere. I'm going to tell you what, Michelle, this article has a very high Lexile reading level, doesn't it? Uh, it's yes. a little banal. Japon. I know. I think that's going to be one of my favorite words now. UAP reports can also be the result of a simple misinterpretation. An amateur astronomer might capture a high quality image of a bright flash in the sky, but popular astronomy apps would not possess enough data to offer an explanation. In this case, only the CNES Internal Space Surveillance Department could prove the presence of the stage of a rocket reflecting the sun's rays. Even the flickering candle of a paper lantern may be perceived as an object whizzing through the sky at extreme speed. To understand and explain the observations that the Japon receives, we rely on tools and applications across a range of domains, from aeronautics to aerospace for satellites and debris, astronomy for stars and meteorites, meteorology, image processing, and more. Reasonable explanations are found for around two-thirds of the observed phenomena, 
but the remaining third remain unresolved due to a lack of information to analyze the report and produce an explanation. Then there are the D cases, accounting for around 3%, whereby we have enough information but have not found an explanation. This is when we deem all the hypotheses that we have formulated and analyzed to be inconclusive. It only takes one. So then we go into the Japan methodology. Japan's goal is clear to present or attempt to present a rational answer for the misunderstood, unusual, and sometimes spectacular occurrences spotted by witnesses and to explain the reasons for their presumed irregularity. There are three main phases involved in achieving this goal. In essence, we collect eyewitness accounts, conduct technical studies, and publish analysis reports on the Japon website while always protecting eyewitness anonymity. Each mission begins with a report, be it submitted via our website or at a local police station. Whether using still photos or video footage, the reports always include specific data as witnessed by a human being. As with other types of scientific measurement, the data contains measurement interference, which varies greatly depending on the individual. Sometimes the account is of excellent quality, but factors such as emotions, memories, and beliefs can alter or even distort a witness's perceptions. Our priority is to filter out this interference so as to isolate the factual data. Next, we study the eyewitness account and its consistency. As the quality and quantity of reported information increases, its irregularity tends to decrease. At this stage, we use the Japon computer database along with a host of technical applications and software. These include public use tools as well as expertise developed by our partners, particularly that of the French Air Force for the reproduction of flight paths, Meteo France for precision weather conditions, CNES itself, for high-precision tracking of satellites and debris. And finally, we sometimes carry out field work, which allows us to analyze the conditions of the sighting more precisely and conduct a cognitive interview with the eyewitness. Our aim in these interviews is to flesh out the account, revealing the most reliable information possible, while not distorting it. Developed and taught by our expert psychologist, this is an invaluable method at Japon. For the trickiest cases, our multidisciplinary panel of experts is summoned to help advance the study and decide collectively on its conclusion. Working together with NASA's body-independent experts over the coming months, France's Japon will detail its methods and share data. This will allow both groups to explore phenomena that resist easy explanation, examine related aerial hazards, and draw up recommendations for future research. Jeez, Michelle, this was a tough one to get through. I was going to say that Francis Japon sounds like a cross between, what, MUFON, NASA... And a really good Chinese dinner. On steroids. <laughs> Gendarmerie. I was going to say, with uh, with everything that they take into account. Well, mon chéri, je t'aime, bonne nuit. <sighs> <laughs> I know like five French words. I now know Japon. (laughs) 
Well, again, Michelle, that was a tough article to get through. But what's not a tough article to get through is Gemma Jade's bio. So, Michelle, take it away. Tell us about Miss Gemma Jade. Well, Gemma Jade was born and raised in Passaic County, New Jersey, and has always felt drawn to the paranormal and supernatural world. She saw her first full-bodied apparition at the age of four and was more interested in than terrified of it. Once she was old enough, she started to seek answers. Gemma is of Native American and Irish descent and was fascinated by the old legends from both countries. She first encountered the fairies and their magic when she was seven, and her paternal grandmother from the Irish old country would tell her of the myths and legends of the little ones. Gemma was and continues to be lured by the unknown. She is also a clairvoyant and clairsentient psychic and credits this to her Native American blood. She currently resides in Morris County, New Jersey. Gemma has taken her research and search for all things paranormal, supernatural, and unexplained to her YouTube channel titled Simply Gemma Jade. She is joined with Steve Stockton to live stream and communicate with other like-minded individuals who are searching for the truth. They talk a lot about the missing in the woods and, of course, the fae. Gemma's focus on her channel is also to bring light to missing persons cases happening all over the world, both inside and out of the woods. She has even given a platform to her viewers where they can not only feel safe in telling their own encounters, but also where they can communicate with like-minded individuals in her community. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please help us welcome back to the podcast for a third time, our favorite resident psychic and medium Gemma Jade. Gemma, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Well, one of the things I need to do first and foremost is thank you for coming on our most recent new show that we started doing, which is the After the Cast live show. And we had you on November 19th. And it was really cool to have you join us. And we gave everybody a little bit of a preview of some of the topics we were going to dive into with you. So once again, we want to thank you for being one of our first guests to come on to that uh, new live show. So thank you very much. It is always a pleasure. I love hanging out with you guys and, and your audience. So I, I definitely appreciate the opportunity and just enjoy hanging out with you guys. Yeah. Likewise. It's, I guess that's why we've had you back on like three times now. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, we find you to be a, an awesome wealth of knowledge when it comes to the paranormal, the supernatural and, um, you know, it's that time of year where it's like everything's gray here in Michigan. Everything looks like it's dying. It's getting gloomy. And uh, we just had Halloween and just, you know, really cool to to get somebody to to come on and um, talk about these things and, and the moods of people and how they change. So maybe we can kind of dig into that a little bit tonight as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. I was just talking about something similar with my mom. So definitely have my opinions and theories and uh, predictions on, on that type of stuff too for the coming year. Well, Gemma, for those in our audience who haven't heard you on the podcast before, can you tell everyone a little bit about your background? Sure. So I am a physical medium, which really means I'm a more of a, more spiritual than psychic, but I, I do have a lot of different abilities. I grew up in Patterson, New Jersey, and I kind of turned my abilities off for a while. And once I turned them back on at the same exact time, I found YouTube as a platform and started writing and uh, meeting all these open-minded people and making all of these open-minded friends where I really felt very well able to express myself fully and authentically. And that's something that I'd never been able to do my whole life because despite, you know, some people in my family being accepting friends when you're little, when you're younger, and then when you're a teenager, aren't very. And it just all happened right at the right time for me to be able to get out here and really try to spread awareness and, and to show authenticity. And I, I really want to, one of my main goals is to kind of write a lot of the misperceptions or false perceptions about someone who's a self-proclaimed witch. You know, that word gets a bad rap in general, or someone who is a medium and 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 just those types of things and, and just bring more light into the paranormal community in general. Now, just a real quick question on that. When you were talking about turning your abilities off and then turning them back on and you're finding like-minded people, what were some of the responses from like the, the closed-minded people? Was it like reactions of fear of the unknown, uh, evil, religious things? What, you know, where would you say that a lot of that went? A lot of it. Are you referring to like after I kind of reactivated, I guess, and came into well, all of this? Yeah. Like what first, you know, like made you decide to turn off your abilities in a way, you know, to put up that wall and, and you talk about like-minded people you, you found on YouTube when you turned the abilities back on. So I'm thinking you know, the opposite yes. of that. So what was that spectrum of the opposite you had to deal with? Okay. So one of the reasons I kind of turned off, I can't say turned my abilities off, but I guess that I turned off to them is, is probably a better way to put that because they were always there. I just, yeah, did I'm sure it's not to, like a switch. Yeah. Right? You know, you and just, that's what people yeah. think when I say turn them off and, but I turned off to them, meaning, you know, I didn't work with them in harmony. I did not really acknowledge them. One of the things is, you know, the era in which I grew up, it wasn't the internet age. You know, I was in high school, I graduated high school in 2001. So it was right kind of when the internet was launching and, and really becoming actually something. So there wasn't as much knowledge about all of it. It wasn't as mainstream, I guess. And I had spent my whole life being the word kid because I was in, you know, preschool playing with other kids. And then the teacher's telling my parents that I stand in the corner and play by myself all the time. Meanwhile, I'm thinking I'm playing with other little kids. It's just these were spirits that no other, no one else was seeing. And I didn't, I mean, that's how spirit still appears to me. Sometimes 
if I don't know what to look for, I will not be able to tell the difference. So things like that, you know, being picked on, made fun of, but what, what really made me turn off to them completely, um, like the final straw for me was in high school, if I would get angry at someone and think that I wanted something bad to happen, you know, it was not a few days before something bad would happen. And I'm not talking, you know, life-threatening things, but, you know, a broken arm here, a busted nose there, a, you know, a school suspension for the valedictorian over here, you know. So I, I, I knew that there was a lot more to what I was experiencing than I was, I was kind of ready for at that point in my life. I don't recommend anyone should ever turn off to their abilities. It led me down a very dark path of addiction and um, just a lot of instability because I, I realize now I just wasn't energetically aligned with my purpose, you know? And as far as the people who aren't like-minded, I call those people the sleepers because um, I feel like they're sleeping to what's actually going on. The reaction... I don't get trolled a lot on my YouTube channel, but I do, I'll give you, I'll give you a great example. Someone will say to me, well, if you're psychic, then what color underwear am I wearing? Now, if I can't tell them what color, I don't know, I would be guessing because being a psychic, being a medium, every, everything about this is energy. It's energetic. So I can feel in the air around you that something bad's going to happen, something good's going to happen. I can go into meditation and find out more, but it's, I, I'm not an x-ray machine. I can't see through, you know, your pants to see what color underwear you're wearing. And also people will say, um, you know, well, if you're a psychic, then tell me my name. And, you know, it, it's, it's energetic. And I think that's a really gigantic misconception that we in this community, as far as mediumship, being psychic, just spiritual in general, spirituality in general, really, it's it's a giant mountain. We're we still not even near climbing because all of these preconceived notions and misconceptions that have been going on for, you know, millennia. Yeah. Well, you know, I've got a, a comparison story for you, not to one up you, but more to like be on your side about this. For sure. In a, in a uh, physical sense, I'm colorblind. So I can only see very few colors. I mean, blue, yellow, green looks white to me, you know, red is brown. And, you know, so I, I deal with this color blindness and I have my entire life. Obviously, it's a genetic thing that's passed down from your mother. Well, every time I find, you know, uh, myself explaining to the students like, uh, you know, I can't see colors because I'm colorblind instantly they start with the well, what color is this shirt well <laughs> they just told you <laughs> right i can't i can't tell you colors it if it if it's some shade of blue it's blue you right. know i don't see pink you can say pink until you're blue in the face i don't know what you're talking about if anything it's red or blue that's the the best i can tell you and and so i got to the point of looking at some of my students and just being like, well, if I was standing here with dark sunglasses on and a white cane in my hand, and I would walk around and tap the floor with my cane. So I don't run into anything. And I was completely blind. Would you come up to me and go, how many fingers am I holding up? Right. It's the same kind of thing. 
Absolutely. You just don't, you just don't understand about, you know, how can somebody not see color? Well, it served me very well in the military because I don't see shades of, you know, anything. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So people hiding in bushes and things really didn't do much. You know, the camouflage didn't do much. (laughs) I I could see them. So it serves, it serves an evolutionary purpose. Um, But going back to one of your uh, stories about, you know, wishing ill on somebody in a, in a few days later, being angry with them. And a couple days later, um, you might see that person with a broken leg or an arm right. or something like that. Did anybody ever come to you and say, that was your fault. You did that. We know you're, you're evil witch or, you know, did well, they ever turn that around on you? Not no one from outside of my immediate family And the reason is because it would just be thoughts like, you know, man, you know, Jamie's such a B word. I can't believe, you know, she would do that to me or man, I can't stand Mr. Smith. You know, he really, and then something would happen to these people. And I would cry to my mom, like, you know, it happened again. And, you know, my mom would be really understanding, but I was very careful aside from maybe one or two very close friends to not let people know by the time I hit high school I was so used to hiding my abilities and um, I think that's what I I feared most was that I was going to be even more outcast over it and also just I think I was really so honestly scared by it all that the few people that did know didn't want to you know reinforce that it was my fault because we all knew it was and I I was genuinely upset about it, even if it was someone I didn't like or thought I couldn't stand, I knew enough about my own abilities at that time to understand that it's never a good thing when you're making things like this happen. So um, thank, thankfully, no, nothing like that. I've dealt with something similar uh, more recently when, you know, in the past two years or so coming out about my abilities, someone very, very close in my life, um, when I finally explained all of my abilities, they really used it against me in, I mean, the most horrific of ways they started questioning what type of parent I was, what type of person I was, was I capable of, you know, I mean, it was heartbreaking, even at my age for someone to turn around and use, you know, this trust I had in them against me. I mean, Yes, I'm on YouTube. Yes, I talk about it on podcasts or on shows, but I don't run around in real life. Like I'm also a devout Christian and people don't understand how that works. I don't go into church proclaiming that I have these abilities, but I'll help someone out if they need it. You know, and that's still that fear of rejection, that fear of someone saying, you know, Bob passed away. It must have been Gemma's fault. You know, I still have that fear deeply ingrained in me because I felt so betrayed by the one person in my adult life I opened up to who then again made me feel like maybe I was, you know, a bad parent to my toddler or a bad, uh, you know, daughter to my mother, like just making me really question the type of person I was because I'm a quote unquote Christian witch. And I don't even like using uh, the word witch because that, that brings with it its own set of problems, you know? Now you do talk about, and you've been open about this on our show and, and on your own YouTube channel about dealing with addiction and things like that. And I think that 
when you talk about that and it was a kind of a response to you blocking yes. your ability. I don't want to say it like that though. You know, it's, it's like accepting who you are and, and what you should be doing, what your real purpose is. The, I see that as like a direct correlation to the drug problems we have today with all kinds of people. Maybe it's not psychic or medium abilities or anything like that, but there's so many people out there that are unhappy in their jobs and their lives that turn to this, you know, these drugs to numb them, to stop them thinking about what they could be doing to make themselves you know, better or, or on a path that they really want to be on, but instead they're being a horrible lawyer because that's what their parents are or a, a doctor. And then, you know, they're addicted to methamphetamine because they need that speed to stay up all the time. And, you know, they're very open to that. So I don't think that's, you know, that much of a stretch to have to, you know, to have that kind of addiction problem, especially in something as being an empath or uh, an intuitive like yourself. I definitely agree. And I said something similar in um, my newest book, which I know we'll talk about later, but I did touch on it in the very beginning of that book in the introduction. I talk about how, you know, I, I'm not saying that um, addiction and mental illness and all that doesn't exist, but I do believe very much in attachment. And I believe that because I can see people's attachments. I can walk down the street and something black and gross will jump out of someone's back and look at me and, and jump back into their back. I know they have an attachment that's causing them to have back pain. I see people with, it's almost cartoonish with these little, um, I see them as like little, like, um, you know how they did Casper the friendly ghost with like the, um, the stream coming from him on the bottom, like that little thing. It looks like ice cream or something. I don't know the, his Mm -hmm. shape. I see, you know, 10 of those very small and black going around someone's head. I know they're struggling with something mental. I believe it's all about attachment. And I believe we gain these attachments through traumas and addiction is very traumatic. So while I do believe that there are exceptions for people who, um, you know, could just end up in addiction, it could be, you know, genetic. And I'm by no means a scientist, but from my personal experience, I'll say it this way, from my own experience and what I know to be true a lot of the time, things like that have to do with attachments that are formed because of either traumas or something like what I tried to do, like pretending that, you know, I, I don't know when something bad's about to happen, pretending or uh, pretending not to care, you know, that I don't see, you know, spirit or, or dead when I walk through the grocery store. I do believe that I, I would be so bold as to say 98% of our mental, physical, emotional problems come from people not realizing they're empathic, people not taking care of themselves energetically, because we're not taught that we're taught how to, you know, um, we're taught about feelings, and we're taught about being kind and all that. But we're not taught about being spiritually aligned, because people automatically want to put spirituality with religion. And that's just not not the case. So I do agree that, um, you know, it's, it's very common, especially for empaths, you know, to want to escape. They don't even realize they're empaths, but it's like, why did I walk into, you know, a place where there are 200 people? 
199 are smiling and laughing. One person's crying in the bathroom. And I was drawn to that bathroom and started crying with the person. Why? Because you're extremely empathic. Who wants to walk around picking up everyone else's emotions all day long, you know? Yeah. Well, you said it, the new book and that title of that new book, Shadow Entities, Sleep Paralysis and Beyond. What inspired you? I kind of have an idea now, but (laughs) what inspired you to write about these topics and what can you tell us that we might uh, expect to find inside this new tome of yours? (laughs) This book is definitely very near and dear to my heart as someone who has had shadow person or shadow entity visitation for as long as I can remember having you know, apparition visitation and and seeing spirits and probably from earlier, I just don't remember it. Shadow beings, when I was a kid, used to try to get me to jump in front of trucks to chew on wires that were plugged into the wall to stick things into the electrical socket. I feel like now as, as a grown woman, they were probably afraid of my abilities, what my spiritual path was. There's something about me that was threatening to them. Um, I don't know what it is, but I can guess, like I said, maybe it's my abilities. Maybe it's what I'm trying to do in the community and in the world. But shadow entities specifically as well, because when I was younger, again, in the late 80s, you know, mid, even to late 90s, it wasn't something that you heard about all the time. What's a shadow person? You know what I mean? Even Heidi Hollis, she said when she first started bringing it to the attention of the public or even her friends, they all looked at her like she was crazy. Like, what are you talking about? You're the only one experiencing this. And my clients and just people in general, email after email after email, Gemma, can you uh, help me with this? I'm seeing these, you know, and they describe a shadow person, however they describe it. And finally, I'm like, you know what? My publisher said I could write about whatever I want. Just keep the books coming and they'll keep, (laughs) keep publishing them. So I was like, I need to do something on shadow, shadow entities, because I don't know what's going on. That's bringing them so much more to the forefront, front and center as they've been. I mean, there are people that don't even believe in any of this stuff that are having encounters with them. And there are so many unknowns. Now, just for an example, if you had a haunting in your house and you were dealing with some type of activity in your house, whatever it was, I'd be able to go into your house, walk through your house, tell you what's going on in each room, what the entities are, why they're doing what they're doing. I could allow one to jump me and speak through me if I want, or just give the messages. I mean, it's very much, um, not to that degree. I wish, um, she's my hero, Amy Allen, um, from dead files, but I can do that. Okay. And that is what I do in my, my personal time to help people. But with shadow beings, it's a whole different ball game. Okay. Because Say there's an entity, maybe it's a, a a person who was, you know, evil, quote unquote, in life or, or a murderer, say, in life. And when they pass over, they don't go to the light because they're afraid of what's next. Now, they don't want me in there telling the homeowners that there's this, you know, guy here who doesn't want to cross over. So they're going to present themselves to look like a demon. But I can see through to, I'll say, oh, this this thing is presenting itself as a demon, but it's actually not. Give me a few minutes and I'll get to the bottom of it doesn't work like that with shadow people. I have no idea what they are, where they're from, what they want, what, what they're, per- I, I don't know anything about them except that they're scary. Um, and that, you know, they feed, they definitely feed off of lower vibrational negative, uh, energies. 
So I thought that if I took all the information that I've learned and some encounters that I've come across and that I've gone through and put it out there, maybe, you know, it could help somebody or inspire someone to write down what they know. And, and maybe one day we'll have some semblance of an answer so that people can stop being fed off of in the way that they are. They are very energetically draining and they, they, you know, they really cause a lot of problems, health problems, mental health issues, and just fear in general in people. So I decided that if I was going to do a book on anything this time, it was going to be about something that a lot of people were going to be interested in and that could help a lot of people. So, well, speaking of the book, because Wayne and I still talk about the cover and just (laughs) the, I mean, the terrifying image, where did the idea for that artwork come from? It came from personal experience of my own, but it also came from just that's what they do. I mean, the image on the cover is a person laying in bed under the covers, covers pulled up to almost the chin, and there is a hooded, cloaked, shadowy figure leaning over them, mouth open with fangs. Now, the fangs were added for effect. But that is the image that most people see when when they think of shadow entities or the experiences they've had with them. And the reason I had the fangs put on there and had it look like that is because I believe this is when they energetically feed, when we're at our most vulnerable. And um, the teeth are kind of a symbol of the fact that they're feeding off of us. Um, well, that would explain what you were talking about during the live show when you mentioned that um, that you believe that the shadow entities are were bad and that they were feeding off of us. So that would make sense. Yes, I don't believe there's anything good about them. I've had, a, um, I call them a family, quote unquote, of three that have been following me around since I was about eight, telepathically communicating with me. I thought there were shadow entities. I've come to realize more recently that they're most likely extraterrestrial who can only appear for whatever reason in shadow. But I thought this was my experience with shadow entities for the longest time until I actually did my research. So yeah, I do think that they are feeding off of us. I do think they're very lower vibrational, but I also think I haven't narrowed down what I really think they are. There's like six different things that I think they could be, or most likely are. And I go over that in the book, um, different types. I, I speak briefly on sleep paralysis because the medical community, um, they talk a lot about how shadow entities, old hag syndrome don't really exist. It's just, it's just a, um, leftover from some brain misfire, um, sleep paralysis. All of that is just a a random brain misfire. And I don't agree (laughs) at all. Um, from what I know and what I've experienced myself, that could be the explanation sometimes, but I think more often than not, we are having a real supernatural, paranormal, otherworldly, if you will, experience when we experience these, these beings. So would you say that people that deny the supernatural world are really in denial of life? I would. I, I mean, that's actually a really good way of putting it. Yeah, because supernatural doesn't necessarily have to mean um, evil or good, or it doesn't have to be, you know, your people think of ectoplasm and seances. That's not really what it is. It's just something outside of what we know to be natural, just like paranormal is outside. I don't know the exact definition of para, but I know it, it doesn't necessarily mean, 
I, I, here's the thing. I think we're so conditioned from little kids to, you know, there's no monster in your closet. Ghosts aren't real. Uh, you know, shadow entities, like my dad would tell me, you know, stop all of that, that voodoo S word and go back to sleep, you know, and leave me in the room with the shadow entities and, and the dead and, and in the pitch black dark screaming at the top of my lungs. Cause he thought I was just looking for attention or that there was something mentally wrong with me. And, and I fear for the children who have to deal with that because if, if we could as parents or even as teachers, as, as human beings, understand that we do not know everything there is to know about the world, period. I mean, just on a, on a much less deep level, look at how much of our oceans we've explored. I mean, think of it like that. The paranormal, supernatural, extraterrestrial, anything, again, otherworldly, think of that as our, our world's oceans. And what we know about it is less than what we've been able to explore. All right. So I think that anyone who won't even acknowledge that this could be possible is asleep. And that's why I refer to them as sleepers. And we are the enlightened or most light workers are more enlightened. And you know what always made me like raise an eyebrow when it comes to talking about the paranormal or the supernatural is the religious people out there that seem to I guess, take offense or, or want to instantly talk, you know, no, 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 that stuff's not real, but yet you are following a religion. The Bible is full mm -hmm. of supernatural things. Now they'll say it's because, well, that's what God wanted to do. That's what Jesus wanted to do. And they don't want to like acknowledge that. Okay. Well, in the old Testament, there were supposedly giants running around here that were wiped out during the flood and their disembodied spirits are still roaming this planet today, the Nephilim. So, and they're going in and out of people and possessing people according to some. Yep. So if you can accept that, then why can't you accept that there may be people out there seeing these shadow entities? Maybe they are these Nephilim, or maybe like you said, and I think this is a great explanation that these shadow entities are people that have been so bad in life that when they die, they're so scared about judgment or what might be coming afterwards that their, their spirits are now disembodied and stuck here. And they are looking to continue to prey on other people and continue that, that evil pull their energy and their light um, yeah. i i think it's that that's because the more knowledge we have about anything the more powerful we become right and there are people that want to make sure that they have all of the power and i, I truly believe this i mean th this is stuff that like for my four-year-old is a no-brainer charging crystals saging the house uh salting the the yard you know and and a lot of people look at me like i'm weird but i'm like listen my son's going to grow up accepting of any abilities he may have. And I, I do think he's going to grow up more with a broader perspective perspective than his peers, most likely, because I'm not taking anything away from him. Like I'm willing to consider that there might be a quote unquote monster in his closet. And I feel like if we could just do that, and I mentioned children only because I mean, that's where it starts, right? When, when people tell you, 
Um, you know, that's not real. That can't possibly be true. That's how we lose our abilities. I, I talked to you guys about this last week or uh, yeah, last week when I was um, on the show, when I said, I believe everyone has some kind of ability that we would say is supernatural, right? It's just which part of you has it? Like, what are you able to do? Could you imagine the power if we in this community, all of us with abilities, everyone got together at each person figured out which ability they were, they were strongest in. And we all got together and started looking for answers. The world would be turned upside down. Those in power would no longer be because money, and I'm not making any kind of political statement here. I'm I'm just stating my opinion. I think that money and power and fame and whatever else would no longer be what makes people, people powerful. It would be knowledge and ability which everybody has the potential for. It's just that it's immediately stripped away from us, like pretty much the minute we're born. Some of us just can't forget it. Like there are people that remember, you know, their past lives, the last 10 of them, you know, just automatic instant recall from the moment they're born of all 10 of their past lives or however many, you know, I can't do that, but I could tell you, you know, when there are d- dead people around, I can tell you what's wrong with you energetically. I can talk to you about your own attachments, you know. You had mentioned about the shadow entities feeding off of us. Can you kind of elaborate? What are they feeding on? What are, what are they doing to people? Sure. So there are several videos on my channel about this, and I do cover it in this book. So I believe that. When we're here in the 3D, you know, like I said, it all goes back to energy. If you align your chakras, most likely you will have a much better time while they're aligned than if you had not. I believe if you're positively manifesting, if you're working with energy, if you're tapping into your soul contracts, all that stuff, your life's going to be so much better. Going back to that energy, okay, especially if you either refuse to believe or accept especially if you're someone who, you know, won't acknowledge it or who's, who's refusing to even listen. So I feel like whatever they are sticking to just shadow entities, or I think some extraterrestrials do it as well. I think anything with a lower vibration than what we have here in the 3d, we are the only beings, if you will, who are physical Others can appear physical. And I hope that I'm saying this the right way where I don't sound like a complete moron, but I I, like every, every, every other entity or energy, as far as I know, can, can appear in the physical while they're here on earth, but they are not physical when they're in their realm, in their dimension, on their plane, whatever. So what they do when, when we're feeling fear, especially and hate, I've noticed those two emotions or feelings or whatever produce the most energy. Even when I'm working with clients, I can see it all over them when they're angry or enraged or excuse me, hateful. These entities from other realms, dimensions, even planets, okay, come in when we're at our most vulnerable, which is usually when, when we're asleep and they energetically feed off of us. So you wake up, you see this terrifying being in your room and your immediate reaction is the fear reaction. And then they've got what they wanted. They, they feed off of that. They take that energy from us. That's why if you have eight hours worth of sleep, having nothing but nightmares about whatever, 
you could wake up, even though you slept that whole time, you wake up feeling like absolute crap. And that's probably because for the entire night before you were being fed off of by several entities or energies and your energy is literally low. Doesn't matter if you slept eight hours or 10 hours or whatever. So I, I talk a lot about that in this book, about energetic feeding and, 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 you know, how I think it goes down, why I think it goes down. That's, that's a lot of the book. going to switch gears just a little bit, going to stay on, on the topic of the book, but what does the writing process entail for you? I'm imagining that it must be kind of difficult when you decide to put pen to paper and focus on getting some of this stuff out with everything else you have going on around you um, with these entities and, and trying to collect your thoughts. So do you have to do anything to prepare for uh, doing the writing and, and getting these things down? Um, what is that process like for you? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I actually learned with the second book that there are some things that I should do before I attempt to start writing, especially about something like this, because the more you research into it, the more you think about it, the more you will call it to you. And someone like me, who's already this giant magnet for for all of this, you know, these energies and entities already. So I, I was getting very distracted. I was getting very miserable. I was almost overcome, like constantly feeling in those lower vibrations, anger, um, you know, regret, like all these weird um, emotions that I otherwise shouldn't have been feeling, you know, but they made me feel horrible. I was having more nightmares and I was having a lot more sleep paralysis. So what I what I've been doing is, again, working with my own energy, making sure that when I sit down to start either writing something out or typing something out for a book especially when it's about something like this topic, which most of my books are and will be, that I have to protect myself energetically. I put up a protective bubble, um, you know, of love and light, and I call in my angels to help me. Arch Archangel Gabriel is my favorite. He helps a lot of writers, if you call on him, um, call him down. So I'd have to do actual energy work and, and some light work, uh, that I would normally do for clients on myself before I sit and write almost every time, because if not, I'm definitely welcoming in some things I don't want around me in my home, et cetera. All right. I think Michelle has a topic say, she wants to bring up about a friend of hers. Well, sure. and speaking of things and homes that you don't necessarily want around. Um, well, and this has to do, uh, deal with one of my best friends and, you know, we've talked about this over the years and I've watched her go through it. Um, going back to her childhood, um, she was estranged from her biological mother. So I'm giving you a little bit of the backstory. Yeah. Um, her biological mother was very young when she had her. And so the biological mom, you know, went off to, um, I believe it was uh, Colorado, Colorado Springs, <clears throat> had married a man probably about 17 or 18 years older than her. So, and her mom at the time was 18. So you're talking about she was with like a 35, possibly 40 year old man. Wow. And um, the family 
back here in Michigan was left to adopt her and raise her as their own. Well, during this time, I think she she had a few encounters with her biological biological mother, um, and a few encounters with um, the the man that her biological mother had married, and um, but it was always very just very distant. Like there was never a close connection, never a feeling of you know mother and daughter because of course she didn't raise her, right. And so, um, when time, you know, time went on, um, she had heard stories that while they were in Colorado Springs, that in the basement, that they had some sort of pentagram or altar or something in, in the basement where like either curses or a worshiping was done. And so um, she, you know, never wanted to ask questions about it. Never did only heard the stories from different family members and just kind of pushed it to the back of her mind. So fast forward many years, um, she still, you know, never really developed a relationship with her, even though I think, uh, they had both tried and it wasn't until she, um, she had a child of her own. So she ended up having a daughter and, you know, very close with her daughter. Um, you know, when, when she was a young child and everything, and we know how teen, you know, teenagers are the, the best thing that they do is, you know, they keep their parents at arm's length. Yeah, I live with some, it's like, yeah, the door slams and you hear a groan. That's all you hear. I get it. So, but after hearing her story and um, the fact that I think it got to a point, her child was probably about four four or five years old at the time, and she was at a funeral and her biological mother just happened to be there with, with the man, with her husband. And they saw the child. And I mean, biologically, this is her grandchild running around. And so there was no introduction. There was nothing where the two would come together and there would be any sort of reconciliation. Um, It was just kind of like, you go your way, you know, I'll go mine. And I would say about two or three months after that funeral, she received such a hateful email from the the husband that had basically said in that email that what she was doing was absolutely horrific and she was nothing more than a bitch. Oh my gosh. And that he had hoped that what his wife was going through, she too would go through the same thing with her own child. And so, you know, again, she didn't think of anything of it at the time, just, you know, thought that he was absolutely crazy. But fast forward a few more years, you know, her her daughter's into her teenage years and watching some of the resistance of, you know, not wanting to, 
you know, I don't want to say just like, you know, if her mom goes to give her a hug, she like pushes her away. Cause again, teenage years keep parents right. at arm's length. Um, but like the mom will tell her daughter that she loves her and there's like no reciprocation. There's, I mean, I- I've seen this child and it's just kind of like stone face okay. towards the mom. But yet when she's spending time with her father, you know, it's like the, you know, the, the world lit up. Mm-hmm. So it, it just very, very, I mean, uncanny. And now she's thinking back to those stories about the pentagrams, the altars, the possibility that she may be cursed. Right. That maybe this guy who, <laughs> I mean, clearly, uh, bad shit, but, um, this guy, maybe with everything he was dabbling in, instead of just wishing this on your friend, maybe actually did something to see that this would be reciprocated or allegedly reciprocated. Cause I don't really think your friend um, did anything wrong there. Is, is that kind of what, well, she didn't, what she didn't want is that she didn't um, want her daughter to go through a lot of the same head games Okay. And in and out of the the life um, that she had went through, sure. you know, throughout her childhood, teenage and early adult years, she wanted to see more stability for her, her daughter as far as who was in her life and who remained in her life. Um, Protected her daughter. Yeah. It, and it was, it, you know, it, it's a complete, um, ideology that she does she wants to protect her daughter now this man he he has passed he's been gone now probably two or three years from better you know from this earth um but the stories of why he and his his widow had to move from colorado springs Mm -hmm. is absolutely terrifying what they brought into that house. Hey everyone, we hope you're enjoying the podcast. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors and some friends of the podcast. Hi, this is Ray Shemansky, author of the Alien Shades of Grey's Trilogy. And you're listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Hi, I'm Greg Little, co-author of Origins of the God with England's Andrew Collins. It's a great book. It's about UFOs and the paranormal, and it gives an explanation. It's not what you think. And you are listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Hello, my name is Burton and I am the host of Follow the Reaper podcast where every episode we examine first and secondhand true paranormal encounters. And you're listening 
to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Jared Murphy of NotAliens.com, and you are listening to Wayne and Michelle from Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Hey there, it's Richard Serrett, occasional weekend guest host of Coast to Coast AM and host of The Conspiracy Show. And you're listening to Wayne and Michelle's Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. What's up, everyone? This is Burton. And Aaron from Lost in the Dark podcast. And raise your horns because you're listening to Wayne and Michelle from Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. What is up, you guys? It's your girl, Gemma Jade from Gemma Jade YouTube, Moonbear Oracle, Paranormal Chop Shop. You're here listening to Wayne and Michelle with the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Hi, this is Chris Lato of the Chris Lato YouTube channel, retired F-16 pilot turned UAP investigator, and you are listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Hi, this is Terry Lane Keel, director of MUFON memberships, investigator, demonologist, and author of Alien Healing, the true story of a benevolent extraterrestrial. And you're listening to Wayne and Michelle on the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Hello everyone, this is Michael Schrett, military aerospace historian and private pilot, and you are listening to Wayne and Michelle at the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast, and we're glad to have you with us today. Hi, this is Seth Talk from MUFON and the author of You Have the Right to Talk to Aliens and the host of Alien Spirit TV with Sev on YouTube. You're listening to Wayne and Michelle at the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. What's happening, ladies and gentlemen? This is Big Willie with the UFO Garage podcast, where we're all about UFOs, aliens, and all things weird. I also run a podcast, Band of Bearded Brothers, with my brother Micah, B-O-B-B for short, and you are listening to Wayne and Michelle with the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. So take a seat and buckle up as they educate us on all things woo. Do you, can you... I? Okay, I just want to say, first of all, if he's if he's passed, that's even easier for me to see if um, something like that was done. 
if you want to put your friend after um, we speak in touch with me. Okay. If, if, if she wants to, you know, some people are more open to this kind of stuff, but I could find out for her if something like that was done. Um, and I just want to talk uh, for a minute because I want you to elaborate if you can a little bit. I don't know if your friend related to you of, of why of things that you're talking about of what they brought in. So I have a better understanding of what they could have been messing with. But I just want to say that people forget about contracts and I, you know, for as someone who gave my only daughter up for adoption at birth, who I have a wonderful relationship now, she just turned 14. So I myself understand um, being young and, and doing something like that. But when we're contracted to be in someone's life or we are contracted not to be, if there's no contracted connection, there's not going to be much of a connection. And I know it's hard to believe like someone can be your mom and you don't have a contracted connection. Your friend may have a contract with that, that person's soul just to have been her mom and then get out of her way. Whereas she would have stood in it um, if she were in, in her life. So I just, I just want to say to, you know, it's, um, your friend probably knows that it's for the better that it happened that way, but it, it most likely was divinely planned between your friend and her birth mother in this, uh, this life while they were on the other side, that this is the way it was going to go down. Now, when you start bringing in, um, a pentagram on its own is actually a beautiful symbol of all, all of the directions uh, and the spirit, but it can be used um, just like anything else for good or bad. So I would definitely connect with the, I'll just say stepfather to keep it simple, um, to find out if he did anything like that, which is fairly easy for me to do, um, to be honest, and fairly easy to know if, if, his spirit would be telling me the truth or not. I, I have this uncanny ability to see through when I'm being lied to by human beings and spirit. But I would just like to hear if you wouldn't mind telling me if you know of maybe like one or two examples of why, ouch, they had been evicted. Um, just like what they were dealing in. Um, You know, as far as what what they were looking into, as far as what they were worshiping. Yeah. I think because you had said that they'd gotten evicted because of things that they had possibly brought into the house or things that were going on. In yeah. When they had to move out. They of the house. be, oh, um, the, the stories that I heard was that they were starting to have, um, like poltergeist or haunting activity in the home. And so that is, I mean, shortly after that began is when they um, moved to another state. And I don't know if they continued to practice. I mean, those are stories that, you know, haven't been passed my way. So I don't know okay. if they continued to practice or not. But I remember her telling me stories about when they were living in Colorado that the reason that they had moved from their home was because of haunting haunted activity. Well, normally I would say when you're dealing with something that brings um, a haunting, 
So we're not talking about here a spirit who's scared and, and perhaps doesn't know how to cross over. When you start dealing with lower vibrational, evil, malevolent energies and entities like that, it's very hard to move away and say, oh, I'm not going to deal with, with that. It's like dealing with the devil and then turning around after you get what you want and saying, oh, I don't feel like giving you what I, what I promised. Do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. more than likely, um, from what I've seen 99% of the time, I could probably say what I've seen hundred percent of the time is the haunting more than likely followed them. Um, if you ever get a chance to ask your friend, if, if she, I, I guarantee you the haunting followed them because either one or both of them were now, I don't want to say haunted by whatever they brought into the house, but, um, usually when you bring something like that in, they're looking for a physical form. Um, there there's possible, there are so many avenues to go down with that, but a lot of it leads to possession. Um, as far as curses. Okay. Now a lot of, um, quote unquote witches. And again, I'm just going to say, witches. um, I would say people that practice in magic with a K, however you want to put it. Um, I always try so hard not to offend anybody out there, but it's impossible um, when it comes to that word really. But what, what happens is um, I just talked myself right out of my train of thought. Oh yeah. So a lot of, a lot of witches will tell you that it takes so much energy to put a curse on someone that, that there's no way. And if that's the case for them, then um, they probably have different abilities than I do. Because again, I would just think of something in high school, I wouldn't even have to curse them and the person would get hurt. I have since, I, I can't say that I've cursed anybody. I've transferred curses off of someone and into someone that they wanted to transfer it into after they'd proven to me. Um, and I mean, literally proven with like legal documents and, and all these different representations that this person was more well suited to a curse. Um, and, and, you know, I'm going to get a lot of flack for that too, but I'm just being honest about things that I can do and that I've done. But with a curse, I mean, it really depends on how connected he and or she was to whatever energy or entities or both that they were dealing with. Okay. So for me, if I wanted to curse somebody, I would need something that they touched. Maybe uh, if I want to put a stronger curse, I'd need a little bit of their hair too. And, and that's, that's it. So it, it really depends on what they were dealing with. Now, as far as your friend and her relationship with, with her daughter, if she were to listen to this, or if you were to be able to maybe tell her to listen to this or relay this message, be very, very careful. And I'm willing to investigate so we can go deeper for her if she's, if she's willing, but be very, very careful about worrying about this to the point where she projects it. And then it becomes a reality, not because of a curse, but because it's now been projected and put out there energetically because thoughts, thoughts and ideas are energy and they do release out into the universe. Okay. That, that she's not somehow causing this because she's so afraid that someone else has caused it. And that it's not just maybe the temperament of her now teenage daughter. 
as you said, we know teenagers, I always liken it, like I said, to a haunted house, a door slam, a groan. And like, that's all there is. By the time you look, it's gone. You know, I, I get it. 18 year old son, 14 year old daughter. I get it. Um, it's a grunt just, and a door slam, <laughs> a grunt, a door slam. And when you look to see where it came from, there's no one there, you know, right. you're lucky. So yeah, it's like a haunting all of its own, but I would just caution her to try especially if she feels that it could possibly be because of a curse to think positively, to manifest the, um, at least even in her mind, the relationship she would like to see with her daughter and see if the energy can connect with her daughter's energy and maybe bring her back in. Um, like I said, I would love to help. Um, I would really like to, because I think that Whatever I can uncover, whether it happened or it didn't happen, hopefully would be able to either ease your friend's mind that, no, this didn't happen. Let's look at what else we can do energetically as far as manifesting and, and doing energy work to bring her daughter um, back into at least a little more of alignment with the mother-daughter contract that's obviously there because of their previous or prior relationship from what you'd mentioned. They were close when the, the daughter was younger or whatever. Or we can figure out how to lift whatever this is or transfer it. I'd be more than willing to help. Like I said, I would just caution your friend not to worry about it so much that your friend ends up being the cause of this quote unquote curse and not without even realizing it, uh, which is what we do. We worry and we worry and we worry about things. Then the things happen. We're like, oh, I knew it. But really, had we not spent so much time worrying, it probably would have ended up differently because um, they're, they're, and I'll just say this quickly, they're doing these research studies now where they're putting these um, electronic hats on people and they're saying, think of a color. And the hats are hooked up to a computer screen. The person thinks yellow, the computer screen lights up yellow. Why? Thoughts are energy, they're things. What we release back into the universe, the universe releases back to us. Remember, spirit, other energies, uh, entities, they do not feel feelings um like we do not in the broad range and they also don't speak words so while they can understand what we're saying to them like if we pray or if we call call them in what they're going to understand is what we're thinking our feelings i'm feeling so hurt nothing ever works out right for me um, this is going to be a disaster or you wake up in the morning what a crap day you know before you even get out of bed the universe is going, oh, okay, and bounces that all right back to you. So it ends up being exactly what you thought it was going to be. Whereas if, if you know, I try waking up in the morning and saying, you know, this is going to be an amazing day. I'm going to be so productive. I can't wait to get started. Whether I feel that way or not, some people say it's inauthentic. I don't believe so. I believe it's the, the power of manifestation and the mind and energy. I'm so big on energy. I just, I wish I had easier ways to explain it to people so that everyone can understand the way I see it, the way I see what's around people. When I look at them, what's attached to people. When I look at them, if, if, if the world, you know, if everyone in the world saw people the way that I see people at a soul level and energetically seeing what's inside, what their aura looks like, what their spirit really looks like down to a soul level, the idea of beauty would be so much different. I look at people, I don't care how aesthetically pleasing you are to look at how attractive you are. I'm looking deep, deep into you. And um, I can't help but to do that. And I used to ignore it. 
or I used to not pay attention to it. And I used to go with the crowd or go with what my logical brain was telling me. Um, I don't do that anymore. And that's why I don't have a lot of quote unquote real life friends because I see people at a, you know, a soul level. And a lot of people don't like being looked at that way because then they are forced to face parts of themselves that they don't want to. Yeah. I was going to say once somebody shows an ugly personality, it's done. Yeah. You know, and, and I blocked it off and I ended up, you know, uh, one bad relationship after another, after another. Why? Because I wanted to go with my heart, with what I felt. And I wanted to go with my mind. Uh, my, my husband now, uh, we're in a separation. He's 30 years older than me. If I had paid attention to what I was actually seeing as far as his energy, not saying he's a bad person, but I would have known that we were going to eventually end up separating because of the things that I saw that were not in balance or in tune with my own personality, my own energy, right? We were not um, energetically uh, simpatico, I guess you could say, but I was like, wow, older guy, super handsome, you know, like takes good care of me. Yeah. You know, and it's not anything that he could be faulted for, or I could be, but I do fault myself for not looking at, I saw him at a soul level. I saw what was inside. I saw what was really going on there. And, and I just chose to ignore it because, you know, I was in love. Well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> from now on, I'm going to, I'm going to see people at a soul level and make my decisions from there. So, you know, I'm guilty of it too. You know, it, even me and who knows better, it still does it. So, you know, Gemma, when you're talking about um, this person, bringing in or, or these entities from the outside can can there be the inverse of that if this guy that was you know michelle's friend's i guess stepfather at this point huh. if he was so dark and in evil in his soul like just a nasty person could he manifest i guess would be the the term i'm looking for his own like shadow entity to do these these nasty things or put you talk a lot about putting energy out there reading energy and things like that i'm just wondering if there can be people that are so dark and they know that they're dark and they are dabbling in this stuff that they can manipulate their own energies to make this stuff happen and to put it out there. What are, what are your thoughts on that? That would be um, what some people, um, it sounds very Harry Potter, but that would be like dark arts dabbling yeah. in dark magic. That's exactly what that would be. He would not be able to do it without his own knowledge. Um, okay. Right. He wouldn't be able to do curses or hexes without knowing. Now I've seen situations where, um, you know, a shadow entity was dragging a woman off of her bed every single night and literally dragging her by her hair into a wall until finally the entity would go through the wall and she wouldn't. And the shadow being thought that she was also a shadow being and wanted to take her with or um, just wanted her, you know, because of something that it saw in her energy. Now, that's um, you could also be talking about things like, you know, topas, uh, uh, thought forms that we think into existence. I very much believe that um, that they exist. And, and that would definitely be dark. I have a chapter in the new book, um, Christopher Case, I believe, 
wholeheartedly that man, that poor man, it's a true documented story was even on unsolved mysteries was killed by shadow entities sent by a witch he rejected in a bar to kill him. She said, I'm a witch. You, I'm putting a curse on you and you will be dead within a week. And on the seventh day from that meeting, this man who was not religious, didn't believe in curses, um, had everything going for him in his early thirties. If he was even that old, uh, was was dead. He was found in prayer position in his bathtub, fully clothed with candles uh, burnt all around him, crucifixes all over the wall, and these little tiny pieces of paper that were allegedly like reversals of demonic hexes that he had learned from books. And they said he died of natural causes. He was like 32. Okay. <laughs> you got to tell, did you say Unsolved Mysteries? There was an episode of Unsolved Mysteries about it. Yes. But you can easily look it up. Um, I did a video about it. Christopher Case um, killed by shadow entities. And I believe that this woman sent these entities out there. I do believe you'd have to be aware of it, but I mean, I can easily, if I wanted to, and it, it would take me down a very dark path. There would, there wouldn't be easily going back from it, but I can call on beings to do my bidding. I mean, it's just like summoning a demon. If you know what you're doing, do you know what I mean? So can, can someone, manifest harm against another person unknowingly though yeah that's what i was doing in high school but when you start getting into things like you know um her stepfather saying i i hope you go through what what he thought she was allegedly putting her mom through which is ridiculous because the mother was the mother in this situation um I don't believe he would be able, if that's what happened with your friend and her daughter, there's no way that would have been accidentally manifested. That would have been purposely done. Whether it's called a curse or not, it was willful, willfully done by this man to his estranged stepdaughter. And that is the worst kind of person who has power like that and uh, wields it in that way. And Again, that's why us light workers, us empaths and, and you know, mediums and, and whatever abilities you have, man, if, if you know, we, we all oh. have to shine our lights and, and do our, our work. Well, and this is the same same type of man that isolated his wife from her family. So, so there I mean, you go. Yeah, yeah, he when he isolated, he he isolated her away from the family. Um you know, and her, you know, own daughter and, you know, sisters and parents. Oh, I real, really yeah. want this guy's spirit up. Please ask your friend if I can have more information. I really want to deal with this guy's spirit because one of two things happened. Either he was dealing with these kind of dark forces while here and they have control of him um, in, in, in another life or three things actually um, in wherever else he went. Um, people usually don't incarnate that quickly within like a hundred years. So I, it's doubtful he reincarnated or he, you know, went to the light and is now being shown the air of his ways. And he was contracted to be that person. If that's the case, and this is how I could say, I, I'll know if he went to the light, if he's in the light, that means it was a contracted situation for him to be who he was in everyone's life that he touched and went and affected. And there's no possible way that he inadvertently or otherwise was able to do this dark darkness that that is a curse like that. Um, it, it, there's there's karma, you know, and people say karma, um, you know, karma. How do I always say it? it's spelled K-A-R-M-A and it's it, it's pronounced. No, it's um, yeah. And it's pronounced ha ha F-U. Right. 
But I, I say that as a joke, but the reality of karma is it's it's throughout lifetimes. So there's nothing in this lifetime you can do that you're going to have karma for in this lifetime. All of your karma that you're dealing with is from past lifetimes. So for example, my relationships, as I said, uh, my romantic inter- and personal relationships with, with men, these, this is karma that I have not yet learned the lessons from and broke that karmic cycle throughout lifetimes. So while I may be dealing with my husband now, who I do believe and know as my twin flame, it's, it's not working and it might not work. Uh, we might not reconcile. I don't know much about his karma, but as far as my karma, it's because I did not learn the lessons and I'm still dealing with this karmic debt. Okay. And this is the best way I can explain it. You know, I know some people are going to say, no, you're wrong there. This is the best way that I know how to explain this. Okay. And it's going to be different for a lot of people based on their experiences, but it's not because we weren't supposed to quote unquote be together. And it's not because we're not twin flames. It's because I am dealing with this karmic baggage. Now, if I'm able to light myself up, accept my abilities, align with my contract and and complete at least some of my sole purpose and my mission here, which is what I'm trying to do. I learned where I went wrong in all of these other relationships. I just said some of it, not accepting who people were on the inside and only wanting to see through rose colored glasses. I'm a Pisces sun. I mean, that's what we do. If I can break that karmic cycle, my next lifetime, my my romantic interpersonal relationships will be a lot easier and a lot more laid back because my karmic debt has been paid. I have learned the lessons I was supposed to learn. I've been through the hell I had to go through, uh, hell, quote unquote, not actual hell. And um, I should be able to much more easily deal with the opposite sex. I mean, you know, and, and that's, that's something that I know for certain is about karma. It's never an instantaneous thing. We're like, oh, the person may, may uh, quote unquote, get theirs in this lifetime, but it's not going to be a karmic thing. That's just kind of a justice thing. So, uh, you know, we, we as light workers really need to come together 2023, especially March going forward. I believe the light workers are really going to take over the collective again. And, you know, all of us light workers, empaths and, and mediums and, and, and spiritual healers and, and so on and so on and so on. We have had the worst year for the most part. I mean, collectively, even we have had the worst year. Why? Because the sleepers took over. More sleepers are out doing their non-believing stuff than we're doing our light work, okay? Um, A lot of us haven't come into acceptance or whatever the case may be, but I feel a major shift in that as of March next year and going forward. Um, Again, I go on rants and I don't know how I got there, but (laughs) that's where that one ended up. (laughs) Lucky you guys know me by now. No, but I will definitely pass the word along because I'm- Please do. I'm sure, you know, after what she went through, she could probably just go, you know, she'd like to, you know, shove some sage somewhere. For sure. And you know, no one can blame her. No one can blame her. I grew up with a wicked stepmother. Uh, I I understand the uh, literally evil step parent. She also dabbled in the occult. Um, you know, so, uh, she tried to use my abilities, like do her occult stuff through my abilities because she was trying to gain the ability to do some of the things I can do. Uh, I was like eight. (laughs) So it was really scary, um, for me. So I I definitely understand that dynamic as well. So you can pass along my info. You could be there Mm -hmm. when I talk to her, whatever she wants to do. I, I would like to at least help either ease her mind 
or help her figure out how to uh, take back what was done once and for all. Do you know what I mean? Kind of break that pattern there. So um, I will definitely do that for you. And and just because that's, that's what I want to do for anyone who comes to me um, for help. So now Gemma, that's kind of what you do outside of your YouTube channel and things like that. Correct. That's your, your quote unquote, kind of like a day job you know, yes. to put it a, a you know, very <laughs> simplistic way. Yeah. I mean, that is a good way to put it. It's what I do when I'm not doing YouTube or reading Oracle. Um, I have a little small business, but other than that, yes, people call me and they'll ask me about, you know, they think uh, a hex has been put on them or me, most of what I do, to be honest, is people with activity in their homes that need me to come in and see what's going on and either refer them. Cause I am not, right. you know, all capable. I can't do everything. So I may have to say, you know, you have to get a priest to come in or you have to get a shaman or a priest and a shaman or, you know, there are things that I cannot do, but what I can do and what I mainly do um, during the day is, is for my quote unquote day job. Yes. Is um, walkthroughs of people's homes, uh, curse transfer and curse breaking, so to speak and all that. I, I, I try to um, spiritually counsel if I can maybe bring people into their abilities, that's help them understand way. their contracts. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that, a good that's, way of putting that. That is what I want to do, what I've been led to do and what I think I should have probably been doing all along. Um, and it's what makes me feel the best. And it's what it helps my life. Um, just be a better life when I'm helping others. And I think the more people can step into that, could you imagine how bright our collective light would shine over all of this darkness, you know, and not just the state of the world, just people in general with how they, they are. Yeah. And our if, light. if anybody's out there listening to this and, and you feel like you need some type of a, a spirit kind of a talk or counseling, um, toward the end here, we'll have Gemma give out her contact details and we'll put stuff in the show description. So if people want to email you and things like that, Absolutely. set something up, we'll, sure, we'll definitely get you. that out there. Yeah. So I appreciate it. A- as we start to wind this down a little bit, um, I, I gotta ask you though, this is bugging me. You're talking about being a light worker. And, and, and you talked about the sleepers out there, but are there dark workers? Are, are there people out there that are purposely, and, and I've heard, you know, different people talk about this. Um, and, and I don't quite understand because I, I haven't really dug into it, but something about Arman or something like this in the eighth sphere. Um, mm-hmm. but people that are work almost like Crawley-esque, I guess, or is, is there an opposite to you? <laughs> yes. Yes. With, um, light and the dark, they're opposites, right? So there are always, some people will say, well, there is no dark. There's only light because once the light gets there, it's light. No, there are people who like me, I'm a light worker, even like you guys, you guys are um, in education. That is being a light worker, right? When, when you're doing it respectfully and properly. So, but there are people um, just like there's, you know, good versus evil and and positive and negative. There's balance, right? So there has to be that darker aspect. When I talk about the collective of sleepers, 
what I mean by that, and that's actually a really good question. I'm, I'm glad for the chance to clarify because you helped me find a way to actually do that. People who are not serving their life's purpose. Okay. Everyone has the ability to be a light worker in some form. It's just about raising the vibration of the collective, of being kind, of offering grace. You can be a light worker just by doing those things um, all the time and making that a part of your personality. Because why? You're raising your energetic vibration. The, the better we behave, the, the more good that we are, we treat others, the higher or the brighter our light gets, so to speak, right? If you're not doing that, you are inadvertently contributing to the dark. You are asleep. Whether you're aware of it or not, in my opinion, and from what I know from my experience, okay, if you are not actively doing something good for the world, for the collective, okay, you, especially if you don't believe in all of this and you're not doing anything, you know, that's kind of a double whammy of quote unquote sleeper. You are inadvertently contributing to the darkness. And that's what I meant by 2022 was overtaken by the sleepers, overtaken by the darkness. That's why us light workers had such crappy years for the most part. I'm not saying every single uh, light worker had a bad year, but uh, from what I'm seeing from my clients, my friends, and just the people that come into my, my streams, um, most of us did. Most of us have been in like a perpetual dark night of the soul, just waiting to come out of it, um, which I believe we will some of us in January, but, but most of us by March, uh, kind of the collective kind of re taking over there and, um, doing what's best for the world at large, not just individual. We cannot think individual when we're light workers, because that is how we dim ourselves or possibly even get turned. And I love star Wars. I'm going to say it to the dark side, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, it sounds like to me, it's almost like, uh, the sleepers are like people that um, and I hope I'm, um, saying this correctly, like lies of omission. Well, I did yes. not, not lie. I just didn't speak up and say anything or, or let's go like world war two, the people that didn't speak out against the Nazis in Germany, you know, cause not Complacency. everybody was, you, you know, am I on the right path there with the whole yeah, sleep? You thing? are, if you're complacent too. Yeah complacent you know, there you the go negativity or to the darkness then you're adding to it and people don't realize that you know i'm a good person i take care of my family, and that's great and that's what you should do and you could be the best person on an energetic level on a soul level it doesn't matter if you're not contributing to the collective if you're not helping others spreading kindness and i'm guilty of it sometimes too so i'm not saying like i'm saint Gemma over here but I do understand it a lot better because of the horrific things I've been through in my life to my own detriment from not accepting that it's more than just about me. So yes, when you are not contributing to the light, there's only one other option. There is no neutral zone. It's either dark or it's light and people can say, okay, it's dim. Well, you don't want a dim light bulb when you're trying to do work, right? You want to be as bright, bright as you can. And, and there is no dim zone, I guess. It's either you know, and a lot of people are going to disagree. And I always say, I'm not trying to change anyone's minds. If your experience has shown you something different, there's so many contradictions. There's so much, you know, um, fiction and misleading information. And there's so many different experiences to be had. So what someone else who has my same abilities knows to be truth, maybe what 
I know to be not true, you know, and, and that's where the contradiction comes in. And that's where a lot of the non-belief comes in. But I'm saying that for me, I definitely believe, and I've seen it. If you are not contributing to the light, you are inadvertently contributing to the darkness. None of us are meant to live um, complacent lives. Like there's a difference between complacency and going with the flow. Like, yeah, you want to go with the flow sometimes, but sometimes that's not, not what you're supposed to be doing either. Right. You need to speak up or stand out or, or whatever. Um, you know, there, there's so many thin lines, Wayne and Michelle that, and I think that's the issue with this community is that there are so many contradictions because there are no facts. There's no tangible evidence. What I know is fact, you may know is not fact, you know, fiction, uh, even because of our experiences and because there are so many, do you know, the universe is layer upon layer, like universes are layer upon layer upon layer, kind of like a, you know, a seven layer cake only like to the infinite, infinite degree. Right. So think about all of these different universes, which we can't even uh, reasonably think about or wrap our head around and what energies can come from these places, what entities, what types of beings are coming from there? What are their agenda? I mean, it's so massive that as human beings, it's very hard for us to even be able to uh, consider wrapping our heads around. And I say that in the book too, I said something to the effect of, I'd hate to see whatever reality or universe that these entities, meaning shadow beings or shadow people um, are just walking around and, and they're known, you know what I mean? Like that yeah. they're the actual, and we happen to get caught on their turf. Like I would hate to see a place where darkness is, you know, like them is what there is. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the big problems we have is, is that we're such a materialistic creature that if we can't apply the five senses and science to it, then it, it doesn't exist or it, it's ridiculous. And I think we have to start branching out or thinking of different ways of conducting our science. Um, for exactly the reasons that you said. Um, but you know, another thing that was kind of going, you know, through my head while you were talking there about the sleepers was it, it also reminds me of, you know, somebody yelling for help and, and people just walking away on their phone, or there was, you know, plenty of reports out there about somebody who died or was injured laying on the concrete and people will just walk right over the body. Did he the, the reports go between 13 and 38 people. All of these people, whether they're yep. 13 or 38, heard this woman being attacked and several of them saw it. But every one of those people thought someone else surely already called the cops or did something about it. And she right. died. You know, yep. that that's that syndrome there of either, uh, oh, someone else surely did something about it already. So I don't have to or not wanting to be bothered, you know, involved in or bothered with it, you know, that my hands are clean type deal. And I think there was a while where, you know, that was acceptable, but we are coming into a time that's really unlike any other. We have neuroscientists now in the paranormal community vouching for a lot of the things that we're saying, um, yep. as far as, you know, are we living in a matrix, alternate realities, those types of things, neuroscientists, you know, like the, the most, 
scientific scientists there are, in my opinion, like neuroscience, you know, brain surgeons, all of these people accepting the paranormal now. And not only that, coming out to speak for us in this community and saying, no, they're onto something. This is actually how it most likely works. Or, or you know, um, and to me, that's fascinating. That's incredible. And I think we're we're on the cusp of a spiritual awakening collectively, unlike anything we've seen in thousands of years. And that is just a fact. It's just about when we're going to get to it. Well, when more people in the collective light up, that's it. Yep. Well said. So I want to kind of dip our toes into the UFO subject here a little bit. And, And this is kind of on the negative side of things. But then I'm hoping we can get into a little bit of positive before in in before we end the podcast and uh, kind of end on a positive note. So there's been a lot of negativity in the the whole UFO community. Obviously, Michelle and I, and especially me, have been digging into a lot and checking out a lot of UFO podcast and videos and video shows on YouTube and. I'm trying to read a lot of things because of our um, interaction and our experience that we had with a, a UFO in 2018. But there's a lot of negativity that is surrounding UFOs right now. The government came out and said, you know, they're real. They get this new office. They changed the name of UFO to UAP. Then they changed the name of the office. So they're, they're getting money. They've got senators and house representatives kind of tied up in this. And then just recently we see now they're coming out and saying in the news and we're starting to see the little X-Files music and UFO and little green men graphics starting to show back up on the news that these things were basically the Tic Tac and all this stuff. Oh, those were airborne drones from foreign countries or what they like to call airborne trash. So, yeah. Do you foresee anything coming up within maybe the next year that might start to show some kind of truth behind what's going on? Because honestly, I would rather ask you with your (laughs) abilities and your, your, your insight, then listening to a lot of the same people talk about the same stuff and complain about the same people over and over. I don't know how many times I got to be told about Roswell. Yeah, no, I hear you. You know, it's, it's old news. I understand we need to have a history. We need to know where this stuff comes from, but we're stuck. Nobody is moving forward. I do have an answer for you on that. Okay. So Tell us okay, so what's going on here. First of all, I, I know there are going to, again, be people that disagree. People are going to say, well, not all extraterrestrials are good and are looking to help us raise our spiritual consciousness. That is obviously a fact because I think some shadow beings who are feeding off of our fear um, are, are definitely extraterrestrial. Okay. So there are just like with human beings and just like probably with any other species or, or whatever roaming around out there in the galaxy in the universe there is good and bad for the most part and in my experience okay and from what i've i've come to know 
most extraterrestrial species who are coming here or who are communicating, whether telepathically, via contact, um, even abductions. Um, and I'm not talking about the genetic experiments, that's seeding hybrids, that's something completely different. But those of them that are coming just to show someone a reel on a giant screen, you know, I've seen that come up time and time and time again, people are being abducted just to be shown events from the past and a possible future and then brought back home. I mean, things like that. So I'm talking about those species, the overwhelming majority of extraterrestrials that visit us or this planet. I do believe they're worried about us. I do believe, but, but I also believe that until we raise our consciousness and until we become more accepting, uh, not only ideas, but of the entities in general, they are not ready or willing or maybe able to come here and really prove their own existence. They're not able to come here and give us that tangible, factual evidence that we need because they are coming here for a purpose, to save us as a species and to save our planet. They're trying to get us to go back to the days of Lemuria and Atlantis and raise that collective consciousness where we all can just dip into the collective, that feel-good, happy-go-lucky kind of uh, blissful existence that pretty much any and all other beings besides human beings on the three-dimensional plane or in the three-dimensional realm um, are able to experience automatically until we're willing, again, the light workers, the people who were giving the, given these abilities by who, whomever, you know, who or whatever. And um, uh, until we do our jobs and until the light overtakes the dark, so to speak, until the collective light is so much bigger than the collective dark, when we get rid of, uh, we'll never be able to completely abolish it. But when there's not so much greed, hatred, anger, all of those low uh, fear, even um, emotions, energies, feelings roaming around out there, I don't believe that they're going to be willing to put themselves out there to, um, I, I hate to say, a warmongering species, such as they look at the human beings as we are. Um, not all of us, of course, and they know that, and that's why they select who they do to be their voices or to write their books or to communicate with them in whatever way, or maybe to lay abilities on, you know? I believe, you know, there are hybrid programs because uh, most likely some of the uh, more evil, so to speak, uh, extraterrestrials, and otherworldly creatures are like, well, the humans are going to be extinct anyway. So let's figure out a way we can live, excuse me, on this planet once they're gone. And then I believe there's a, a large majority of extraterrestrials and again, other energies and entities from other places um, all over the universe and, and throughout realms and dimensions that are looking to help us raise our consciousness. So there's no more need for war. There's no more need for greed, power, um, even wealth in the way that we know it. I don't think anything is going to change until we as human beings, as a collective humanity, make the necessary changes. Mm, well, that sounds like it's going to be a, a tough road ahead. <laughs> I can say we're closer than we've ever been. I mean, well, that, every year good. we get closer and closer, but uh, am I going to see it in my lifetime and I'll be 40 on March 1st? Probably not. You know, and I hate to, <laughs> I hate to say it like that because it sounds so discouraging, 
but we need to do our part for uh, the future, you know. As long as we're working toward it, right? It's the journey of 10,000 steps, right? You can't go anywhere unless you take that first step. That's a great way to put it. And, you know, again, light workers suit up, you know, uh, become more aligned with, with your path. And if you don't know what that is, I mean, I hate to say feel it out because I know that's not as easy as it was for me, for most people, but it kind of is. If, if you know what intuition is, that gut feeling that tells you someone is no good for you, or that feeling that you get, um, when someone introduces you to say, uh, this guy named Bob and everyone thinks Bob is the most amazing person in the world, but you get this weird, really awkward feeling, but you don't speak up and say, no, I don't want Bob to stay with us for the next month. He makes me feel uncomfortable because you want to go with the crowd and you want to be nice to Bob because everyone else is, and he turns out to be a serial killer. Do you know what I mean? Because you didn't follow your intuition. You now, um, technically aided and abetted a serial killer. And that's what it's about. It's about speaking up, knowing what we know and really following our intuition, because the more we do that, our intuition is the path to our highest self, that our intuition is the path to our soul purpose, our life's purpose, our journey, our contracts. And you guys know what happens when you break that contract, you become very unhappy. <laughs> so. <laughs> Listen, listen to that intuition. And if you don't feel like you're on the right path, try to figure out what you, what you really want to do. And, uh, I know for me, it's teaching probably for Michelle as well. I think could say that teaching was, was the path that we should be on at this point, even though we regret it some days, <laughs> but, but it's your, your soul's uh, purpose. And, and yeah. maybe one or more of those students whose lives that you're touching are going to go on to uh, achieve something great uh, because of something you said, or something you did, or some understanding you gave them. It doesn't matter what your purpose is guys, uh, everyone listening. It doesn't matter what it is. We all have to play our roles and do our part. Right. So, and I tell this to my clients too, that doesn't mean if you know that you were meant to be, um, you know, a yoga instructor and you're a lawyer that tomorrow you should quit your job and you don't know anything about yoga. And, and, you know, you don't, it, it just means open your mind maybe and look into other things. And, and if you know, if you feel unhappy, it's for a reason. Okay. People say, Oh, I'm just having a bad day. Yeah. But you're having a bad day for a reason. Again, every second of the day to be consciously aware of your energetic vibration, it's impossible. But when I catch myself going into a slump or feeling unmotivated or, you know, having a bad day, so to speak, I try to stop and either envision myself you know, where I see myself in my highest goal and purpose in five years from now, living my best life, or just something simple. I I stop and I think of a great memory and make myself smile because even something as simple as a genuine smile will help you to feel better and put some happiness and positivity out into the universe for it to bounce back at you. Yeah, well said. So as we start to wrap this up, what do you think's coming up for two? Well, it, it's our end of the year podcast with you. You know, we're, we're close enough to the end of 2022. So what do you think is coming up for 2023? What, you know, for us, for you, the, you know, podcasting, 
UFOs. What do you what do you think we got coming up for uh 2023? Is it going to be a good light year or another dark year? Where are we going to be? I believe that 2023 is going to be a lot better as far as um, if you're talking about light and darkness. So all of these, first of all, you don't stay in a dark night of the soul for very long. Now, I said this about 2022 because 2022 was supposed to be a major year for the collective, uh, for us, for, for you know, the uh, so-called good guys, you know, the light workers to win one. But what happened was so many people fell off course. So many people gave up. So many people um, closed their minds off or, or whatever the case happened where the collective sleeperhood became bigger than the collective of light workers. And that's why right now, most light workers I know are going through some sort of dark night of the soul or another, whether it's majorly huge and like life altering um, in the worst way to end up being for the best, or whether it's something small, this small annoyance that they can't quite seem to shake. Um, I do believe that's because, you know, some of us went over to the uh, quote unquote dark side, you know, but I feel like that's not going to happen two years in a row. And I'll tell you why. When you go through a dark night of the soul, it hardly ever lasts longer than six months. And that is really stretching. Okay. The object of it is for us to go into this space where we're like analytical, we're figuring things out and we're, we're getting ourselves through instinct, intuition back onto our right path. Okay. Without looking back too much with so many of us, uh, as a collective being in these dark nights of the soul, I just don't see it lasting for more than I would say March. And that's even kind of stretching it just because I don't want to say as soon as, you know, the, uh, ball drops on new year's Eve or new year's day, everything's going to change. No, it's going to take some time, but I think March going forward in 2023 is going to be really important for us as, again, I hate to keep using the word collective, but as the collective. And I feel like possibly to, if we can get these, the paranormal and the ufology communities, not only working with each other, but like working together we can probably come up with some new answers. I mean, we learned a lot about, you know, glitches in the matrix. Is there actually a matrix? Like I said, neuroscientists coming out of the woodwork this year to vouch for paranormal experiences and everything that, you know, the medical community is actually investigating sleep paralysis. Do I think they got it right? A brain misfire? No, but we're on the right track in the fact that the medical community is acknowledging that people are seeing, sensing, and feeling these, that there are malevolent entities around them. Now they're saying it's because again, our brain's misfiring and it's just a figment of our imagination, but they're accepting that we're feeling this stuff. They're accepting that we very well could be seeing it, but they're just saying it's all in our minds, right? But they're, they're accepting it. So, I mean, these are these teeny tiny little steps that we are taking in the right direction. And I think anything is possible for us as long as we stay focused and we don't get so discouraged that we forget why we're here and what we're doing in the first place. Yeah. Oh, we well, got a lot of work ahead of us. Yeah, we well, do. Gemma, while we're wrapping up, where can people find you or more information about what you do or maybe contact you to get a personalized reading? Okay, so 
Um, my YouTube channel is simply titled Gemma Jade. And I am there every Wednesday night from about 7.30-ish p.m. Eastern time to 11, 11.30 p.m. Eastern time. If you don't know what Intuitive Oracle is, you're welcome to come into that chat. I pull one card for anyone and everyone who comes in and give you a weekly reading off of that. If you'd like a personal reading from me, there's information about those in the description box of my videos, or you can email me. And for any other correspondence, if you have questions. Um, I don't charge for every little thing. I'm willing to have a conversation, uh, let you get to know me and, and talk about whether or not I can help you. So don't think just reaching out to me is going to cost you something. Um, I've noticed that a lot in this community where like you can't even ask a question. That is not me. Um, you can email me at gemmajadeparanormal at gmail.com. And my book's Missing the Fae Theory about how fairies are very um, likely responsible for some of the missing 411 phenomenon and encounters with evil 101 true and terrifying stories that myself um, that I wrote and that Steve Stockton did the forward for it's a book of 101 short stories most of it from my real life as a physical medium as a sensitive and intuitive um, it is pretty scary a lot of those are the uh, more scary um, encounters and interactions that I've had and then the newest book which was released last Tuesday. I don't remember the exact date of what that was. Um, so the beginning of November, I guess I'd say, and that's called Shadow Entity Sleep Paralysis and Beyond. They are all available on Amazon Kindle Unlimited, Kindle and paperback. All right. And you could just look up Gemma Jade Books on Amazon and those three will come up. Was it the 15th when that came out? Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay. The 15th. And I was also recently on the Paraflix network. So it's Paraflix, P-A-R-A-F-L-I-X-X, like Paranormal Netflix with an extra X. They give you a week free trial, $3.99 a month thereafter. There is a show called Disembodied Voices with Dr. Kelly Renee Schutz, where I am on season three, episode six. It's a double episode. Um, so two hours, a little bit more than two hours where I discuss this, what we talked about here and so much more just about, um, the community in general, myself personally, and, uh, all that good stuff. And I'm on Facebook as well. Gemma Jade. You know, and, and that brings up a quick question I had for you. A lot of the, you do a lot of videos and put out a lot of information, um, on YouTube, I mean, you're, you're just, uh, an insane, like wealth of knowledge <laughs> when it comes to this stuff. Um, but have you ever thought about doing like your own show where it's, it's a, you're interviewing people like a, a you know, like we're doing, you know, do you, do you ever think about doing something like that? I actually have, and there is some stuff coming up in the near future. I'm getting rid of um, the content that I have to script, film, edit, upload, and then watch people leave comments where I'm going to be doing my content live in two hour shows where I'm going to review the content awesome. and people are going to discuss it with me. And I was thinking about bringing on people to interview every once in a while as well, because my ultimate goal, to be honest with you, as a paranormalist, I mean, I watch all these um, shows on investigation discovery and on Netflix where people are out like um, hunting uh, the paranormal. And I'm like, I could easily do that. So um, in, in accordance, I guess, with my ultimate goal of having my own show, 
I am probably going to start doing interviews very, very soon within the first few months of, of the new year. I'm actually working up to that now. Awesome. All right. And last question for you before we cut you loose. Do you have anything coming up, like any kind of book signings, any kind of um, conventions or interviews like you were just talking about that you would like our listeners to know about? Nothing that I'm booked for yet. The new book did just come out and um, I'm trying to get my name back there. I kind of withdrew a lot for a little while just because of personal things I was going through and it was becoming overwhelming um, the amount of work I was trying to do. So as I get my name more and more back out there, I'm hoping to have some opportunities to do maybe some conferences and um, definitely book signings and things like that. But for right now, nope, you can find me on YouTube and um, on uh, the Paraflix show, Disembodied Voices. For now, that's it. But I I really am hoping that 2023 is going to be my year as well to really branch out and succeed in ways that um, I wasn't able to before just because yeah. of changes that have happened in my life um, that I believe that I'm better equipped and, and more ready now to be able to do those types of things on a larger scale than just what I'm doing now. Yeah. And um, just real quick, before I tell Gemma to spread her wings and fly, fly little <laughs> bird. Um, if you guys are interested in hearing our conversation with Gemma from the 19th, make sure you head over to our YouTube channel and look for after the cast live. That's our new live show that we're doing. We did a show on November 19th and Gemma joined us for the second half of the show to have a cool chat and kind of get things warmed up and ready for this interview that you guys are hearing now. So, uh, again, Gemma, you know, having you on the show is always a great conversation. Um, you do incredible work, Michelle and I love you to death. And anytime you want to come back on here, we'll, we're happy to have you on. Yeah. Heck yeah. Thank you guys so much. And, uh, I definitely love you guys too. You're, you're definitely a couple of the good guys and, uh, it's always a fun time. And I, I was, I had so much fun um, last week when we did that. It's so much fun tonight. So keep doing what you're doing. Don't be discouraged. Michelle, please tell your friend to reach out to me if she wants to um, I will. more than willing and more than glad to help her. And uh, that goes for all you guys out there too. Uh, if I can help you all, I will. And um, just, just uh, email me. All right. And with that, Gemma, we're going to bid you good night. And we will talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. was a really interesting interview. Michelle, did you get your friend in contact with Gemma? I have. So we'll, we'll see within the next coming days or, you know, within the next week or so, what comes of that. Yeah, I would like to know what she finds out about this guy spiritually. And uh, it'd be just very interesting, especially about the curse. We got to be kind of careful just because somebody says you're cursed or they're going to curse you. Uh, A lot of that, you put the power into that. So, 
you know, just everybody out there, be kind of careful. I just, I honestly, knowing that story and telling that story, I want to burn some sage around the house. No kidding. Just just extra edit protection, you know, put some salt out there around the door. and Good you know. juju. <laughs> I, want, I want only good juju. Yeah. So what do you think about the whole shadow entity thing? What What's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, and I keep going back to the cover of the book with, you know, the the shadow entity like hovering over it's um, so creepy. the the person in bed, like the victim and them dealing with sleep paralysis. Yep. And it it makes me wonder like, you know, I've had family members tell me that they've suffered from sleep paralysis and it's like, well, do you see something like that like hovering over you when you do? I've known people that have had sleep paralysis, but they don't ever say they see anything. Usually they have to like wiggle a finger or something like that. And then their body comes out of it. It's really strange. I can't say that I've ever had sleep paralysis, but I can just imagine now somebody like Gemma who sees somebody who's in sleep paralysis. She's not seeing just them in that bed. It's, you know, whatever's holding them down like in that depiction so i don't know Uh, i'm gonna leave it to the audience it's uh we both know how accurate Gemma is with her stuff she knows what she's talking about so i'm gonna take her word for it at this point um because she has really turned over some amazing information to us about things and and done her oracle readings and things like that and they've been pretty much dead on so i don't know yeah the those shadow figures can stay away (laughs) yeah so everybody get on amazon and search up Gemma jade and you can find her latest book it's uh really really creepy I can't wait to dive into it more, but it's called Shadow Entities, Sleep Paralysis, and Beyond. So, again, that's on uh, Amazon, decently priced, and she's a great writer. So, definitely check her out and help support her by picking up a book. It's not that much, and it'll be a good read. I don't know, Michelle, you got anything else you want to throw in here? No, I think we're ready to close it out for the night. Yep. And one last time, want to give a quick shout out to Hava H and Ed S and Ghost Dragon ZW for supporting the podcast. All right, everybody, we're heading out. Have a great night, everyone. Have an awesome night and week. Don't forget, we'll see you next Saturday, December 3rd on our live show. And with that being said... Keep your eyes to that sky. You have been listening to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. You can reach us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at mi underscore ufo and join our facebook group by searching for michigan ufo sightings and paranormal encounters so until next time